Hey guys, I'm Jason Guyman, host of the King of Pressure Wash podcast. I am a self-employed entrepreneur. I grew my pressure washing business to a million dollar business in just under five years. And now I'm helping hundreds of pressure washers start and grow their pressure washing business also. I'm helping you so that you can be the king of pressure washing in your area. Today's show is going to be an awesome show on the King of Pressure Wash podcast. Are you ready to get to the next level? Let's get started. What up, guys? Jason Guyman here tonight on this Sunday night, and I have a legend over here. He is the man that has been in pressure washing business for a long time, and people may have known him by his most famous bench cleaning ever. And so tonight we are going to talk a little bit about some pressure washing stuff and just just general stuff of what we're doing. So that's going to be the the tone for the night. So Mr. Anderson, Rob Anderson, I met him several years ago at one of the huges um, way back when. And um, he's been around, been on YouTube, all different kinds of things like that. And so tonight, hopefully, we can get some good information to help you grow your business and get it to the next level. So, Rob, tell me a little bit about you, your family, that kind of thing. Sure. Um, So I've been power washing for 14, 15, 16 years, something like that. a lot of my journey was while I was still working full-time job at Verizon. Um, I had the job beforehand and my wife always asked me, you know, why, why do you keep doing this when you've got a good paying job? And I just knew there wasn't any guarantee on it. And, uh, grew to the point. So that, what did you do at Verizon? Was you just a salesman or what did you do there? So some people may not understand it, but Verizon, so the landline phone, DSL internet, direct TV, and then Fios. It was a customer service sales center. I basically sat at a cubicle with two monitors and explained to people why their bill was so high and then tried to increase it by selling them something else. So what were you um, making there before you became a, a full-time pressure washer? Um, I started out at, at what was top pay coming in, uh, 11 11 a week before taxes. Um, so I was taking home basically a grand when we would have overtime, and that was – that, it was great when I first started, you know. So you were making great money. 60, 70,000 a year plus, probably full bill. Yeah. I take it. Awesome benefits. Yeah. I mean, it would net out to about 75, 80 um, the years that we had overtime. And then they eventually cut that down. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so, difference. why did you start a pressure washing business? I'd honestly been doing it since I was a kid. My parents would just rent one and we would power wash our house. And then I'd find some other houses and stuff to do. And then, um, when I was in college, I did sales for a power washing company, um, for a summer and, you know, sold just over 30 grand in three months doing that. Um, and that was a guy who just used, you know, he would drop off a guy with a pressure washer, can of gas and a, and the yellow noodle. Uh, and that was it. No chemicals, no nothing. Um, just, it was crazy to, so to did compare you go that to, to college. Did, did you go to college for Verizon or did you just start there out of high school as a salesman or as a sales stuff? No, I don't know. So I went to college park, um, had like 10 different majors and then graduated with a degree in kinesiology, um, which would typically be somebody who would become a physical therapist, personal trainer. Um, I just wanted to graduate at that point. Um, so you came really back, used- I was power. So you really used your huh? degree for good then, huh? <laughs> I knew I would use it for zero. I'd already, I mean, I'd, I'd started candy selling businesses and tutoring and uh, the power washing stuff long before then. And so when I got out of college, it was still, you know, find those ways to hustle. Um, you know, worked at Outback for five years and with power washing days sometimes. So you were kind of an entrepreneur from way back when, then, is what you're saying. Yeah. So, I was selling candy at 14 for a profit. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. So you was um, you started pressure washing, and then how long did you um, keep working both jobs? You just went recently to went full-time, didn't you? 
Yeah, so I was at seven years, um, or I would have been to my seventh year, which would have given me an extra week of vacation. Um, and I had seen with Verizon being union um, that occasionally they would offer buyouts, um, basically because it was union, they couldn't lay us off, but they could offer you a stack of money to go away, <laughs> which is kind of nice. Um, so I had gotten to the point where we just hit 200 um, literally like my last day, um, before taking the buyout. Um, and we just bought a new house. Um, it was kind of crazy timing cause it was in November and that's not exactly the time you want to jump to full time. Um, but it was God's timing. It made sense. Like everything else fell in line. Um, and I couldn't expect, I had three full-time guys at that point and I couldn't expect them to continue to be fully invested in their job and the business if I was not fully invested in it. So did you have a salesman selling while you were there or how was you answering the phone and of the answering the phone while you were trying to run three full-time guys? When everybody else takes a break and takes a lunch, um, I was taking my 15 minutes to call back clients doing pictures and quotes from Google earth um, when I'd have an hour long lunch, I would try and knock out two or three estimates during my lunch break. Um, I forget what book it is. I, it's either quitter or start that talks about, you know, you, you go into your thing and put on your Superman cape and go do another job. And then you come back to your regular job and that's when you're putting on your disguise. Um, so I, that's really how I felt for those times. So when you said you were doing 200 right before you went full time, that first year going full time, what did you end up doing that first year? Uh, so right after I went full time, we did 375. So by giving it your 100%, you were able to almost double it at that point. Yeah. And I mean, that that had been the track record we had been on since 2014. We just kept doubling um, and it was, you know, it, it needed to happen, um, for me to get to that point. Now, do you like, did, was that a hard step to quit that secure full-time job? No, it was kind of weird when I, I mean, I mean, they, they basically gave me a year's salary, six months healthcare and, and I pent, I, I rolled out or cashed out my pension at that point. Um, or got a lump sum payout. So I did not cash it out. So I knew with what I'd already invested that we were in pretty good shape there. Um, every, literally everything except for my father, (laughs) uh, pointed to the direction that that was the way to go. And we'd, we'd gotten to the point where I was losing, I wasn't getting the four hours of overtime a week, which made the difference from money into savings versus having to take money out of the power washing business to, you know, kind of make ends meet on that. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So, so what was the what was the struggle? To, I, you said your father wasn't behind you, and that can be hard sometimes of having family not to help us support us one hundred percent. And and that's and what, how did you overcome that issue? Um, I've always been driven and, and confident in what I do, um, and literally. I think it was more a reflection on him than it was on me that, you know, literally everybody, people that I knew outside of work, people that I knew at work, people that just knew me were like, yeah, you, this is awesome. Like you get to fish, like saw that potential. And um, I already know I mentioned the books quitter and start, but it was like, I could see where I would be 20 years from now at Verizon, hating life, drinking to draw, you know, <laughs> To, to take care of all the stress and frustrations of work there instead of most times when I'm drinking, it's for fun. Sometimes it's because I'm pissed off and frustrated at stuff, but um, yeah. So what was in the beginning, what was the way that you got customers in the very beginning of starting your business? Um, mainly the website, uh, lawn signs and home advisor. Um, and then Probably 2016, 2017 is when I really started getting more into the um, Facebook marketing um, and making that just go crazy. And how did you end up making that go crazy? Is it just you just post once a week and just it does its thing or what? <laughs> we post and 
we just recently uh, lost our office person, but um, three to five times a day. Um, three to five times a day, not a yes. week, a day. Yes. Now, it's always a funny lot of when times I'm, when I'm talking on this, whenever I'm talking about anything, and I'm always bringing up Facebook, I always tell people to go look at Rob Anderson's Facebook page because you mm-hmm. are the king. You're probably one of the one of the most people that I know that get the most business off of Facebook alone. Um, and yeah. there's gurus out there teaching it all over the place, but you actually put it into action. And that is yeah. what I always tell people. And it's not, you're not even putting a bunch of money in ads and that kind of stuff. You, cause you put $0 because I know you're not putting money into ads because I went and looked in the, on the backside of where you can check for people doing mm-hmm. ads and you very certainly do it. So you're posting three to five times. Now, is this on your business page or on your personal page or how do you do it? It's all on the business page. And I, and I don't do as good a job of actually sharing that from the business page to my personal um, and I know people don't like the B word, but we boost posts. That's all we ever do. We have our geographic area and we have it set to 35 to 62, 63. Um, and then we just get in front of them over and over and over and over again. So we get all those touches. Um, we spent about a thousand bucks already this year. Um, I'm trying, I told myself I was going to try and spend more money last year. I'm going to try and spend 10 grand on Facebook this year because we've averaged between 35 to 45 X ROI, uh, or return on ad spend. And, and what all are you posting on there? Are you just posting, you know, just anything or are you strategic in what you're posting? Uh, before and after video or before and after pictures is a lot of what our office was doing. I'll do a lot of videos of me actually doing stuff. Um, it's just constantly getting in front of people and getting them, giving them something to react to. Um, we really do like to have, we have the mindset at work of shenanigans. Um, one of my guys has an Olaf costume. We've made stuff with that. Um, just having fun and getting people to enjoy that instead of just being all serious and, oh, look, we cleaned the house. I, I almost you know, put the picture of you on the moth with the moth hat on there. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was great. That was my buddy Andy, my foreman. And then that, I know another thing. You always post of uh, smiley faces and stuff like that, too, to help make that. Again, it's all about bringing conversion, you know, bringing people in and that interaction and stuff. And that's what you're trying to push for, right? Yep. Yeah. You want to give people, if you're going to invite them to like your page, you should give them a legitimate reason to like it, not to win a grill or tickets to Six Flags. And you're not selling on every post, are you? We sell on almost none of them, which is, and I'll say that that's not the right way to do it. We should be retargeting. We should be running offers periodically. Um, but I mean, last year, again, we did, we did 675 and like 190 of that came from our Facebook clients. Um, our top clients, a property manager um, that he got us in touch with two or three more property managers. And we rented our building now through the same company. And all that came off of one Facebook post where the guy's like, Hey, would you like to bid a bunch of cottages and some big buildings? And, and, you know, he sends us a regular steady uh, twenty to thirty thousand dollars, forty thousand dollars a year. So, so Facebook has been very well to you, but you put a lot into the machine of making this happen. This wasn't your first year of just posting this stuff. You go, you go live all the time on it and all that stuff too. Is that not correct? Absolutely. I always look at it as farming or creating an apple orchard. You know. If we continue to just plant more seeds, fertilize, water, maintain it by continuing to post, it's going to continue to produce exponential results. Even if I stopped spending money on Facebook, it's still going to continue to work. So last year you did 675. How much did you spend on Facebook of boosting ads? Last year was somewhere in the 5,500 to six grand um, on Facebook. And that's for Christmas lights and pressure, Austin, correct? Correct. Correct. 
And so you had in, you only you spent less than five hundred dollars. So when you boost a post, are you just putting twenty dollars on it or fifty dollars on it, or do you kind of just most of it? I was doing twenty to fifty dollars, running it for two to three weeks. Um. So and and it's it's something too where you know you look at ten posts and one or two of them might be worth putting some money behind. The other eight are just they're good. They're not great. So we don't put money behind those ones. So you probably could do a lot more with it if you wanted to with Facebook. Of You could retarget, you know, the people that come on your website. You could retarget your customer list because, you know, that's probably yep. something big. And there's a lot yep. more you could even do more with it by, by mm-hmm. doing that. But the biggest thing is, is I want to get out there is it takes work to post three to five times a day, does it not? It does. And it's interesting. Um, I feel like it's really obvious how to make a good before and after picture. Um, we've got a program called company cam that we use for having both the salesperson, the techs that do the, you know, do the actual job to take the pictures and then the office can make those before and afters. But it's been kind of interesting to see previous office people that made some good before and afters. And then there were other ones where it was like, uh, it'd be like literally posting your picture and my picture and say it's before and after. No, we're not, we're not the same person. Like <laughs> actually, comp- so how long have you been using company cam for a little over a year? Haven't you? Uh, I want to say we started using it in June. So I'm back uh, last week. I actually talked about company cam because I think it is something good for, even if you're a one man show, uh, being able mm-hmm. to cover your tail, being able to, save all those pictures, being able to get that. The before and after fit the before and after um, feature on it is pretty cool. You can take a picture of the before and the after. The before will actually come up so you can get it in line perfectly. So there's things yep. that you can do to make sure that that helps you get the perfect before and after and everything at that point. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, I, I don't want to step on your stove. We company cam.com forward slash Rob is my affiliate link for it. Um, oh, we've I had any of- affiliate and they won't give me one. I see how that is. Well, and they're, they're quite frankly, I mean, they, they talked to me and I, I, they were asking if I was going to be at the Myrtle beach event. That was the same night as our open house. Um, but I think they're going to try and get some stuff going on at the huge convention. Cause it's, it's a no brainer for power washers. I mean, because ultimately well, yeah, I, mean, I want to go back one step. What was your um, yeah. link, company camp slash Rob Anderson or yeah, just forward slash Rob. Okay. Forward slash Rob. So the, do, yep. that way, give that link. Uh, I'll put a link down here in the, my yeah. description too. So that way people can find that link. Awesome. Yeah. So they're going to be at the huge convention. Yeah, I think, and they even asked if I could kind of hang out with them for a bit on that. Cause it's, for our industry, 19 bucks a month, or even when you look at it over the year, what's one callback cost us? Right. What's that one time when somebody says you blew out our seals or you messed this up or you, you know, we, we had a lady that, that claimed we messed up her screens and I could look back at all the pictures that we had of them and they weren't even close-ups and you could see that the black had already, you know, oxidized off of the frame and it was pretty gray but because the house was finally clean, she was looking at it closer. I mean, that that right there was a $300, $400 repair that because we paid 19 bucks, we didn't have to pay. Right. Now, are you using the video option too or just mostly the picture option? The video, my techs use it more just to prove that a gutter is flowing. Um, because you get those ones where like, oh, they didn't do my gutters. And it's like, well, no, here's, here's a video of each downspout. Um, it's kind of tedious on that regard. Um, and it doesn't work as well to try and like, if you were, I were to take a 20 second video with our phones, sometimes that file size is too big. Right. They want it to be 20 seconds, but also below a certain size that doesn't always work. I got you. So they won't, you can't even take a very long video on company cam then. Correct. But I mean, when you think about it, their original stuff is basically for your average, like remodeling contractor to be able to take pictures or like a home inspector to to show issues. Um, I also really love it because when we do the sale or do the quote, we take pictures and then the tech is supposed to take before pictures and after pictures when they do the job. So we can also see 
if there's been a difference between when we first showed up, you know, it could look great in March when we do the quote, all the stuff's nice and green. Well, when the guys come out in August to do their clean their bushes or clean their house and the bushes are already looking pretty, pretty stressed. You know, we've got that to, again, further back it up. We want to own all of our our mistakes, uh, but we don't want to be blamed for things that are not our fault. Absolutely. 100%. That's why you take your before pictures. It's, but mm-hmm. on the other hand, before and after pictures aren't just for to cover your tail. It's also that you're putting that three to five um, post a day in there. Mm-hmm. So that's why we are doing that kind of stuff. You know, that's why yep. I push taking before and after pictures. And that's why I also push, you know, when we're there at the house cleaning, we also got to do marketing while we're there too. You know, and a lot of people get in their head that we're just going to go start cleaning, get this house clean. We're going to the next one. And they don't, they forget about marketing through that whole series. So, well, I'll say so three things on this one. I pay my lead techs a bonus each week for getting pictures of every job. It's 25 bucks. So company cam and the whole picture thing cost me a whole lot more than 19 bucks a month. Um, so that there's that, um, too, if you do commercial work, being able to show that level of documentation for a property manager, they also don't like it when they get the call that something got messed up. And when you can show them quickly, yeah, no, no problem. This person said that we damaged the screen. We've got pictures right here. Actually, when we were up there, we noticed that and wanted to take pictures of that just in case. So we were both on the same page. And then for Christmas lights, <clears throat> and it's nowhere near like a special design. It's not going to look like with the light bulbs, but we it's been helpful for us to be like, here's the front lines. This is where we're going to light. This is this. The ridge line is red. Here's the sides. So we can show them those different colored options. It can sometimes look like a children, you know, child finger painting. Um, but if done right, it gives at least a quick idea. The biggest thing, too, I also like talking about going back a little bit about property managers is is if you find stuff that's wrong with their buildings, maybe it's mm-hmm. bad shingles, <laughs> maybe there's a hole that a squirrel ate and, and it's in through there. When you mm-hmm. take pictures of that and you give that to that property managers, that just puts you to the next level. That sets you apart yep. from your competitors at that point because what that does is you're taking you're making their work a lot easier and when you make their work a lot easier they will hire you more and more over yes, and over and over we we had a lady earlier this year that uh said she had a leak in her roof we get out there and i ended up doing it myself the whole roof is covered with pine needles and i see this log and i'm like all right you know and I move some of the stuff off of it and come to see that there's this hole like that big where this big log is going through it. So I take the pictures, show her. And then she asked me to, um, she's like, you know, can you send these pictures to my insurance rep or agent so they can see it. So then they've got that documentation, other things that we see. And yeah, like I said, it, it really sets apart that level of ma'am. Hey, while we were doing your roof, we didn't just clean that, but we noticed you're missing a shingle here, here and here. And this spot, you know, and it's a great spot to be able to refer. We've got a couple of roofers that we send stuff to. So that's good to know. And that's good, too, to work with other customers or work with other companies and networking and all of that kind of stuff. So what is so you do Facebook and that helps you grow your business. So your goal this year is what's your goal for 2021? To get as close to a million, if not over it. To hit a what million I, dollars, and yeah. you did six seventy five in twenty twenty. Um, how much did you end up spending in marketing to hit that number? It was somewhere in the twenty eight to thirty two range. Um, so it it's typically the the rule of thumb that I've um, quasi followed is the you know ten percent of last year's revenue per month spend it this year. And then it usually works out to be about 5% net. Um, so we just, and it ends up being just, you know, I look at, at the end of the year, how much did we spend with him advisor? How many lawn signs did we buy? It's not that I, I don't budget it as well as I should. I just keep spending on levers that work. <laughs> and that's the thing is finding those levers. Now, do you do Google ads or you just keep it with the um, Facebook stuff? We have, um, I have not been as 
as impressed with it as I, as I, I feel like it should work. Um, and I know certainly a, a good bit of that is going to come down to the tracking of how how good was our website, how much of that is from a Google ad, how much of it is Google local service stuff, or the fact that, you know, my, my goal has always been with YouTube and Facebook to have us show up number one for video, number one for pictures, number one in maps, um, and to have really as many spots on that first page where, our, you know, our Facebook page shows up, our website shows up. Um, and so I always figured, and I'm sure a lot of it for you too, was if, if you got a, a strong YouTube presence, YouTube is your security guard with Google. Right. You know, a lot well, of things can change. Not, <laughs> not only that, you know, and, and some people don't understand that of, you know, they're building these YouTube channels and they're not even putting their link of their website down in there on every video and help that helps bring links to your thing. And all of that kind of stuff does help you in the end. Yeah. So, um, so you spent 30,000 in marketing. That's pretty good to hit 60,000. Um, obviously you did a lot in there. Do you do any networking stuff or um, I thought you said you do networking, don't you? So, uh, if networking like BNI, you used to do that. You don't do that anymore, do you? Or I am still in BNI. I actually, I took over as president, uh, basically last February, um, thinking, okay, yeah, I can run the weekly meeting, be there for that. And then it all went to zoom and, uh, and we got into either September or October. And I finally was like, there's no real like added, um, benefit for me to be running it. Um, you know, we, we still do well. I, I visit multiple other chapters. Um, so I've been able to network with, um, people in different groups. Right. So, so it's not I, know, I know BNI is not, and that you're, it's kind of neat cause you, I don't know too many people that are actually active in BNI and I knew you was. And so how much has that helped grow your business to where it is? Um, so BNI was one of the first things that I joined right after I left Verizon. Um, because of that weekly meeting component, there was no way I could commit to that while I was still at Verizon. <clears throat> um, it's, I probably made 20 grand, 15 grand, something like that off of it last year. Um, again, the the networking aspect, I made a decent amount of referrals and, and money from people in my group. Um, we don't have a roofer in my group, the roofer in the other group, and I have sent a ton of stuff back and forth. Um, some of our biggest jobs have come from him. Um, so that, that's been huge. And we've had other contractors and stuff within the groups that have also been great contacts. Gotcha. So tell me one thing that you failed in your business and the three things you learned from it. Um, so I'll say I probably should have left <laughs> Verizon sooner. Um, you know, I, I had this picture, you know, once we hit a hundred grand, uh, then that'll be enough for me to do it. Uh, and it, you know, I think I went a different route. You know, I had multiple full-time employees. Usually most people work, till they're basically dead on both ends before they go full time. And then it takes them a while to have employees. And I had to have employees and rely on them sooner than I think a lot of people do, which helped there. Um, I'll say this, uh, another huge thing, and we're trying to really rebound on it this year is um, employees. Um, We had over 2020, we had over 40 people employed at some point or another. Um, and, and my foreman is still saying that he's suffering from PTSD. He's like, I'm like, you remember that guy? And he's like, dude, he's like, they're all the same at this point. So let's go uh, down the road of employees. Cause that's a fun road to go down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so have you, <laughs> so how many employees do you have as of right now? Um, I have four technicians and an office person. So, so you went through 40 last year, but I always say you got to go through 10 to get one good one. Is that about not true? <laughs> it, it's, it can be very true. And, and I always tell people, especially early on, um, if you're going to hire one person, hire two. It takes literally like 2% more effort to train two people than it does one. And that way, if one of them doesn't work out, you're not back to square one. 
And I think given the opportunity, if you have two workhorses, you're going to find ways to find, you know, fields for them to plow. So um, what, what have you found that is it better to hire somebody that has a good attitude and knows nothing or somebody that knows everything about pressure washing and has a bad attitude? So certainly attitude is a huge thing. Um, if you don't have the, it's attitude and aptitude. If you don't have the desire to, to do well and you also don't have the desire to like find things to do, um, that all, that all weighs big into it. We actually hired a guy who, and I've hired plenty of people that have power washing experience. Um, but a guy that worked for another, um, competent business in my market. We don't really overlap that much in our territory, but reach out to him. They're like, yeah, he does pretty good work. You know, he just went MIA at one point. Well, I went on vacation and come back and find that he's got a full fledged website. That's basically piggybacking off the previous guy's company name and that he's washed his shopping center. And this, that he was the opinion of a splash and dash guy. You know, he was nuking plants. He was running out of water. Um, always claimed to, he played the dumb card, but he was, he was there totally to learn off of us. Um, whether or not he actually applies it at all. Um, you know, I'm sure he'd end up being the cash guy who goes out of business at some point. So with employees, what have you found that helps keep people motivated and want to keep coming back to work day after day? I always like to try to usually have a, uh, a properly set compensation. We do production pay. And the unfortunate part with that is I need to fire faster. So what do you need mean to make production pay? So the techs get 10% after they go through training, they get 10% of whatever they do. Um, now, is that the lead tech or the just the tech that's riding along with It's everyone? both of them. So the lead and the helper, once they go through training, are both getting 10%. Um, the leads get bigger bonuses. Um, so at six grand, they get a 1% bonus. If you're a lead, you get a half percent as a helper. Gotcha. Then 7,500 and 10 grand. Is that um, per week, I take it? Yep, per week. Lead techs get bonused on the photo bonus. Uh, both of them get bonuses based off of no callbacks. Um, so they can make good money. But we had some crews that, Quite frankly, we should have just let go. Um, and we'll be better about it this year. You know, that's something we had people that when you looked at their hours and what they made, you still have to make sure that on production pay that they still make at least minimum wage. Right. And we had guys that repeatedly we had to add money to their stuff to get them to minimum wage, which you know, I, I think the 150 to 250 production expectation is kind of a, a low normal bar that most people are expecting. So you so, have to raise your prices of um, that because when we go to $15 an hour for minimum wage, you're going to mm-hmm. be $15 an hour. So you're going to be about 15% just to make sure that these guys are there. And that's where, and I, I agree certainly if it goes to that. And I mean, I'm in Maryland, we're at $11 and change. Um, you know, some of the guys that I know, my buddy JC down in North Carolina, like minimum wage is like seven thirty or something like that. Like yeah, eleven bucks, fifteen bucks is like living at large. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean that's where getting a, my foreman who's still an hourly and he still gets some of the bonus stuff, but I mean he consistently produces in the nineteen to twenty three dollars an hour. I mean it, it's and it's not. It's not like he's Superman. He's not like he's running around like crazy. He just does good work and gets it right. done. I mean, you know? I did. I was when I was on the truck. I was doing two thousand dollar days. You know, it's not hard to mm-hmm. do it at the end of the day. It's not hard to do it no. at all. It's just getting there and getting it done. You know, that's the biggest thing. So, yeah. Well, we had a guy that you know was complaining about equipment breaking. Which, if you're a power wash, you understand that that's just part of the business. It's unfortunate, but. He's like, we don't get paid to repair. And I said, actually, you, and I get where you get that mindset as an employee, but like 
same guy and another tech were on a job site and they never, I get out there like this job's $1,500 job. And it's like, Oh, we've run out of water again. The guy had told him where to go to get better water. But I come out there and they're like, yeah, we've had to hit this side of the house three times. I see the ladders out and I'm like, (laughs) this is a partial house wash, a deck and, and a boatload of fence railing. And they had not, not only had, had they not tried to use the booster, they had not even bothered to plug the booster into the generator or start the generator. The cord was literally unplugged. And so they exit this $1,500 house. Well, I come out there, plug the booster up, turn it on and clean basically half of this house in about 45 minutes. And they'd been there for eight or nine hours. And so like, that's where you look at it and say like, yeah, you've, you've got a million tools. Sometimes something doesn't work and we all keep an X jet on every truck. Cause if all else fails, an X jet's going to get the job done. It's going to be messy. May take a while, but it's, gonna but, so what do you, what kind of training program do you try to put these guys through before you let them go out on the truck full time? So that that's a big thing that we're working on improving this year. Um, Get a system down. Yeah. So one, getting guys to do a shadow day before we hire them. Um, we had a couple guys that literally, I, I one guy I almost told him to leave 15 minutes into the day. I think that's a good uh, idea. I know I had Wes on here not too long ago, um, and he said that they do that, uh, the shadow day, and I think that's a good idea right there. So it, it gives you a good idea and gives them a good idea too. Like we've, we've got a couple of guys that we're bringing on that have other jobs right now. You know, they're interested in giving their two weeks. I was like, hey, before you do that, find a day. You know, we got a guy who's working HVAC. His, his employer keeps – shutting them down for a day because of weather or this or that. I said, Hey, next time you have that happen, come work with us for a couple hours, make sure that you're a good fit for us and we're a good fit for you. And then make that choice. Gotcha. Because within a few hours, you can tell if just somebody, you know, we had a guy who was like a psychologist or something like that, or a counselor of some sort. And it was really clear. Like when he's like looking at the garden or looking at the pressure hose and he's like, why won't this go together? And it's like, well, you've got mail against mail. If you can't figure out that that doesn't go together, yeah. <laughs> like, like I had a I had a guy that went to UK and got his degree in in accounting, and mm-hmm. um, came to work for me. And he hooked up a battery backwards, put the negative on the positive, and the positive on the bat and the negative. And he's and this was in the back of the Sprinter van. And as he's driving down the road. He looks back and the battery is melted down. He sends me a picture. Mm-hmm. Why is this battery doing this? I'm like, well, did you hook? How do you hook it up? Send me a picture of that. I'm like, that's why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, with the training stuff too. I mean, last year, my sales guy left to do a new job right before COVID happened. Um, you know, this, this is a spring that nobody's had to deal with anything like that before. And so I did all the sales up until June. We were understaffed. The office position was in flux most of the time. Um, so instead of me being able to be there to help train more, right. I wasn't, I wasn't available for my team as much as I needed what, to be. Um, how do you pay your salesman? So that's been a, a fun part too this year. Um, we had one guy that was on $500 a week um, plus 10% personal or 10% from the leads we give him and 15% from self-generated. Um, we'll change some of that for Christmas lights. We're going to reduce that commission. Um, right now, our salespeople have an hourly base and then they get those same percentages because the guy we were paying 500 bucks a week was then like, He'd work three days and expect to get his $500 base. And I'm like, well, you're, you're getting, you worked three days this week. So you're going to get $300 for your base. Um, and then you'd have days where it just wasn't working the full time. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> That's the Mrs. Beautiful Anderson yep. right there. That's yep. the boss, right? Yeah. She's the reason why we have four kids. <laughs> so, 
self-limiting beliefs can help can can really keep us from growing and and it can be the back thing of our mind that tells us we can't do that and that kind of thing so is there a self-limiting belief that you had to overcome or a disbelief doubt and how did you overcome that um i think we all do have some level of limit um when I hit 374 in 2018, um, I started looking at coaching programs because I kind of realized that I had always been just a third all up on my shoulders. I'll find a way to get it done. Um, and as your business grows, you got to have more people. You got to rely on more people, got to get people in the right, you know, more people on your bus and in the right seat, which is all that cliche stuff. Um and it, and I'm still in that it's, it's again, it's, it's, it's being more self-aware that I do like to be involved in most of it. I want things done my way. Um, I definitely am not the clearest on the way I want stuff done, but it, it's all clear in my head. It's just communicating to everybody what I want done. Yeah. And that, um, can, that can be tough. You know, that's one of those things that, you know, what you've got employees for your techs of, you know, that a lot of times that's where it comes down to of the cleaning the building. The my way is the only way. And, you know, I learned a long time ago that, you know, there's guys out there that can do it just as good as I can, if not better. Um, as long, you know, is it my way? No, but can it get done? Yes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, and that's where with a lot of the processes, you know, there there is definitely wrong ways to wash a house. Right. You know, and we see that debated in the groups all the times. And so much of it's like, well, you can you can soap top down or bottom up. Doesn't matter. And it's like, well, when you have employees, you have to figure out ways. And we even told a lot of the guys when we hired them, like, I did not mean to talk to you like you're a four year old. But we've quite frankly found that if we assume that, you know, nothing, you will be better trained. And we don't assume that you understand, you know probably that a bush shouldn't be sprayed with a whole bunch of bleach. Right. right. You know, that, that's just a, <laughs> some obvious stuff. Um, so, yeah. so did, growing a business is not easy, especially like you say, hitting that 375, getting into that next level, um, you know, in finding, you know, not that you're just on a short bus either, but you've got a big bus that you need to put people in the right seats in the right places. Because if you put the right people in the right places, then you can really grow your business. Then you can mm-hmm. get it to the next level and beyond. And at that point, it's when you stop working in the business and start working on the business. That is when it really can take off. And you put people in key players and allow them to work that business. That's when that business can explode and go do things that you never thought it would in the first place. And, you know, and, and it's kind of, you know, we do have to communicate clearly. We have to make sure we want our vision, my vision to our company vision. So that way they can buy in. And, and I think that's important and that's hard to do, especially if you've never come from that type of situation before, you know, some guys that get into this pressure washing have been in corporate, know how, how that works. And they're able to do it a lot faster where if you've Mm -hmm. never been into that situation, it's kind of mind blowing and allowing that to happen and get to the next level. Absolutely. I mean, I've had guys that have come down to visit um, to learn about power washing and stuff. And we had a guy who uh, insurance, capital investment, financial stuff, this and that. I mean, he was like full blown business plan, figuring out like market analysis, all this stuff. I've just always said, hey, if I get in front of enough people, I get enough leads, which we can give enough quotes and we can make enough money to, to you know, buy some beer on Friday. Um, but it's it really is. I mean, the, the culture thing that you kind of touched on there, um, Josh Taylor is my cocker coach. And he was talking about it makes it really easy once you do have your your company and corporate, your, your culture values and whatnot ironed out because then it's no longer. Jason, you're being a slacker. You're, you're producing slowly. It's like, no, efficiency is one of our key metrics um, or showing initiative. You know, well, you know, you were just sitting down while the other guy was finishing, touching up the spot on the roof. What could you have been doing? Could you have been rolling up the hoses? Could you have been taking pictures? Could you grab that ladder, that extra ladder that he wasn't using? We're like, 
the, those are the things instead of just saying, dude, you suck. You're, you're lazy. Like right. it, it's cool to compare that and also run people through that analysis to say, does this guy fit from the beginning and show those traits that we're looking for? So we're going to go on to the next thing. So we talked about Facebook and how that is. Another thing Rob is very well known for is the acts of kindness. Acts of kindness is probably one of the biggest things that I've known Rob for because he's always doing acts of kindness in different places, a sign, a playground, uh, who knows what. Um, and so these are things that has helped him grow his business. And these are things that we can post on Facebook so that way we can show mm-hmm. that to help grow that. So let's talk a little, what, why, what made you start to think about doing acts of kindness? So I officially call it, it's hashtag random acts of cleaning kindness. Uh, feel free to tag that when you're doing it. It makes everybody make sense and understand what you're doing. Um, it, it's, it's fun to do that from a culture perspective to send the guys on a rainy day where we had two roof washes to go clean some dirty business signs or a playground or whatever else. Um, it's a way to give them hours or something to do instead of sending them home. Um, I love it when I go into a neighborhood to do a quote and on the way out, I see, man, the sign at, uh, you know, Kilburnie is really, really dirty. Let's go over and knock that out. And it, and it really actually started more by accident. My kids saw a playground they were playing on. Daddy, it's really dirty. You should power wash this. And then we we power washed it uh, right after doing a huge debt, huge job, uh, right after Thanksgiving. And I was like, you know, this is us being thankful. And that got like 6,000 views like that weekend. And with our Facebook strategy, that gives more people that are going to like our page just because we've done some awesome stuff. Um, makes people switch, you know, they may have somebody that they trust that's done a good job, but they want to support people that are giving back. Um, and it's fun just to make people smile. You know, we, we did a, um, a couple signs for this one church, a lady who I guess works in the office came out. She's like, who hired you? Who told you to come clean this? They're like, uh, our boss told us to come do it. He said, your sign was dirty. We're just doing it for free. Um, and like HOAs it's, we all know we want to have the HOA on our side, right? Like we want the president of the HOA and the vice president to like us. And if we can get into the Facebook group for it, it's fantastic. But like as an HOA president, all you deal with is people griping all day. And if, you know, you got five people on the board, one person says the sign's dirty. Like, okay. And they come back the next one. The sign's dirty. Can we do something about it? Then you're like, all right, let's go ahead and get a quote. And then it's three more months. All right. Now we got to get the guy on the schedule. Now we got to do this and this and this. Versus we just show up, we clean it, get it done, put our lawn sign out. And we've justified us marketing right then and there. And then they're like, oh, yeah, aren't you guys the guys that clean the sign at the front of the neighborhood? Why'd you do that? I'm like, I like to clean dirty stuff. So we did it. And, and they're like, okay, if it's tagged or anything like that, you're willing to do some graffiti removal and all of that kind of stuff off of it too, aren't you? Yeah, that was actually a, a good BNI contact um, that we, you know, just wanted to help them out. And yeah, I mean, if you're going to do something, um, go find a way. I mean, it's it's a win, win, win. You know, they got something for free. We got some extra marketing. We know we'll turn it into money in the future, but it's it's really more again about giving back. We do write those cleanings off, um, but it's just an all around like being known to be for giving back is a fantastic thing. So I got to give some love back. I got a super chat from Arkansas soft wash. Ask of kindness from my middle name and day every day. Thank you for the super chat, but I'm not just going to leave it there. If you need any equipment, go check out his website, Arkansas soft wash. Um, he's got really cool kits put together, soft wash kits. I always get asked, where's a soft wash kit, that kind of stuff. I always send them to you. Um, so, um, definitely go check out his website. Um, um, Sean can hook you up with whatever you know, need, if you're looking to build a rig or anything like that. So what was the, what's, so I'm, we're going to ask this one last question and we're going to get off here. So. And this isn't an easy question. If you had $5,000 and you were starting all over and you can use your knowledge, what would you do to start your pressure washing business? 
Um, so equipment wise, I would have gone ahead and bought 200 feet of pressure hose. That was a big thing that just sucked when you first start out and you've got, uh, I was strapping together multiple 25 foot sections. Um, I would have, I would taken the knowledge that I know right now, um, gotten into chemicals right away with it. Um, marketing wise, I would have dumped more money into lawn signs from the beginning. So and better design. So you're saying you would put money into lawn signs right out of the get-go? Yeah. Yep. All it's right. the quickest way. It doesn't take a reputation for lawn signs to work. Um, it puts money in your pocket really quickly. Um, I bought, you know, did Dave's end-of-year deal for basically a grand and bought 250 signs. And my first job off of those signs was $975. So the other... 249 signs are already paid for and will just produce exponential free money. So you wouldn't go out and buy a $5,000 rig? Nope. <laughs> I might. And, and there's the, the knowledge there. I'd probably go ahead and get that five and a half gallon a minute machine. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of stuff that you kind of have to go through that process. And, and I think you, you appreciate this too. A lot of the equipment that we've bought is also for education because because everybody's going to ask us that. That's the reason why I went with 12 volt and the, you know, the diaphragm comet pump for roof washes and then air and then booster so that I can say that I've used it so that I can say that, you know, yeah, this worked. This didn't. Employees destroyed that. They didn't do this. Um, I'd probably also get a hose reel. <laughs> that makes your life so much better. Well, even um, if you went and got a basic system, the five and a half gallon, the you know five and a half gallon hose reels of that, you're probably in about three grand at that point, and that leaves you two grand yeah. to to put into yard signs. You can get them for about three hundred bucks, you know. So it leaves you two grand to really yeah. dump money into the to really dump money into uh, marketing. Yep. Well, I was like, Jeremy Jennings always talked about that and that, you know, he could, anybody can learn how to do the work. The big thing that everybody spends all this time deciding, should I buy it from Southside? Should I buy it from Power Wash Store? Should I go to PowerWash.com, Pressure Tech, whoever we should be using? And it's like, dude, if you don't have the leads, they're just a bunch of expensive toys. Right. You, you've spent a bunch of money on some tools, but have no purpose for them. Um to spend that time figuring LinkedIn out. Are you using LinkedIn at all? We're trying to. It's so with the posts that go to Facebook, we post them to Google My Business, to LinkedIn, Instagram. Um, we're definitely just starting to scratch the surface on it. Gotcha. So we get good really, reactions. You haven't really pushed LinkedIn of going in and getting property managers and facility managers and all of that kind of stuff. No. Okay. Not yet. So you got a lot. To and again, that's, that's having time. Do what? You now? know, that's having time. Right. You know, having our office position in place and having somebody do it for more than three or four months, or, or get them. You know, once we have somebody in place that can be that rock that takes that off my shoulders. Um, you know, I, I'll probably, no matter what level this business gets to, be involved in sales in one way, shape, or another. Um, and have some level of impact in the production side, but I would love to get 99% of the office stuff just completely out of my, off my plate. Do you not like the office stuff? I don't mind it. I can do it just fine. Um, other than bookkeeping and, um, you know, that, that stuff drives me crazy, but it's something that I know that, Rob answering the phone all day and scheduling estimates is a task that can absolutely be reproduced by somebody for a lot less money than me. Right, right. And I can be far more valuable in other, other roles. So I got one other question that I know that what CR that I always get asked on everyone, what CRM do you use? Okay. So I know you had a fiasco not too long ago with it. So, so here's, here's the, um, and JC, whatever, anybody who knows me and JC Chinovsky, good buddies. Uh, he has labeled me a CRM whore. 
<laughs> and we kept everything else clean up until now, but uh, we are still paying for the customer factor, still using it daily. Um, I have tried out and, and the customer factor, it, it's a great deal. It, it will grow with, well, you, you can do a lot with it. Um, I know guys that are doing several million with it. Um, but for us running multiple trucks, um, that and the, the KPI side of it, um, is, it's just horrendous. Um, or not horrendous. It's very lacking in that. And when you get into doing $40,000 in a week and running four trucks, it's like looking at the, your list from Walmart and trying to figure out what, which things had fat and which things were for cleaning and stuff. Like it's just a big, big old mess. Um, so we am help desk. I cannot say with any other passion, never, 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 never go near them. That was horrible. Um, we are trying to make the switch to service monster. We tried it about a year or so ago. I've been paying for it for about six to 10 months right now in round two and hadn't been using it. We tried to switch over to service fusion, um, which we're in the process of canceling that. Um, that's been a fiasco, same thing. And, and that's where like, I quite frankly, until we get to like 2025 um, and multiple years of using a different CRM, will we, you know, officially turn off TCF? Cause it, we pay 300 bucks a year for it. We're grandfathered under the old rates. Um, but too many CRMs don't show you daily revenue per truck on the quick thing, which is what I love about TCF. Um, not enough of them show truck A, truck B, truck C, truck D, and your sales rep. Instead, it'll either show it all in one or it's broken apart. Like Service Fusion didn't show that Mrs. Jones' house wash was going to be $500. I could run a report to see what truck A, B, C, and D did each day. But I want to see right away that, you know, all right, Jason's got two grand on his plate. He's good. He's full. All right, Rob has 500 bucks on his plate. We need to throw more onto him right now. You know, and seeing close rates by marketing methods would be great. That's that's why we've been looking for something to get more data. Yeah, it's tough out there to get a good CR. And I mean, I'm, I, I hear it all the time. I had Service Monster. I didn't care for it back then. You know, I'm sure they've changed some, but it wasn't. It was good to, that you could schedule three trucks or four. That was the only thing it was good for. <clears throat> I, I liked it. So um, definitely yeah. liked it. So um, if you have not seen Rob, go down. I have put his channel in the description. So go check. Go give him a sub, um, a subscriber. Um, he's got a great channel. He talks a lot about nuts and bolts of the business. He talks, um, he opens his books up and lets you see some of that of how much, you know, what he spent and, you know, you go back years past, he'll go through the books, tell you how much he spent on different things. And so it's a good channel to go through and learn from. Um, so that is definitely something that I would recommend. So go down there, subscribe to his channel. Um, I appreciate you coming on, Rob. I thank you. Um, and do you got any last words of wisdom before we get off here? You, you said about opening up my books. Um, guys, I always, I've always had the feeling that um, talking about money, some people look at it as taboo. Um, if knowing that Jeff Bezos makes a bajillion dollars a minute offends you, that's your fault. It's not, it's not Jeff's fault. Um, when I was early on and people doubted my channel and doubted me and that I had no um, ability to speak with, with, you know, confidence and authority on things. Um, you know, that, that's why I show where we gone from doing 24 grand a year, um, to, to doing 24 grand in a week. Um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a blessing to be in that position, uh, but always realize like you are somewhere in that journey. Um, so just because you're not hitting Rob and Jason numbers or, or um, whoever else, Donovan's numbers and lights or power washing or whatever, like just do what you can do, improve it, rinse and repeat. Yeah. 
And don't and and don't forget, it's not a competition between Rob and Doc. Mm-hmm. It's a competition between you is who the competition is at the end of the day. You know, what makes you successful? What makes what do you need to have at the end of the day? That's what really matters at the end of the day. Yeah. Awesome. Absolutely. Well, we're gonna jump off here, hang on, and let's see if you stick. All right, guys, that is all the time we have for today's show on the King of Pressure Wash podcast. I know you found this as exciting as I did. If you appreciate the work we do it here at King of Pressure Wash, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And give this episode a five-star review. I would appreciate it very much. This helps me get to other people so that they can be successful just like you can be also. And if you're looking to start and grow your own pressure washing business to give you and your family financial freedom, time freedom, be sure to sign up at thekingofpressurewash.com so you can be the king of pressure washing in your area.